Well, our preacher today is Kyle Pettit. Kyle joined our staff a year ago when he graduated from Oklahoma State, having served as an intern here the summer prior to that. And he's doing an amazing job with our young adult ministry. Give Kyle a big welcome as he comes to bring God's word to us. Wow. Well, how are we doing this morning, Faithbridge? Yeah. Well, to the graduates, congratulations. You did it. Uh, well, it would only make sense to start a senior Sunday sermon off with my off-to-college experience. And so I'm from the Houston area, uh, graduated from Cinco Ranch High School in Katy, go Cougars. Uh, but I packed up my little truck and I headed north. Uh, and my first stop uh, was in a little town called College Station, Texas, home of the fighting Texas Aggies. Well, after I filled up with gas, I did continue north to the true promised land that Psalm 23 talks about Stillwater, Oklahoma, home of the Oklahoma State Cowboys, where I would start my college experience off. Uh, and I had watched the movies, I'd seen the TV shows, I'm ready to, to have my college experience. Uh, and so there was a problem though that I forgot. Um, it takes time to make friends. Uh, and if you didn't know this about Oklahoma State, not a whole bunch of people go that far north. They stop along many of the great colleges that uh, Ken mentioned, uh, the, the, the Baylors and A&Ms, Texas and Texas States, all of those, uh, they stop along there. And so when I got up to, to Stillwater, I knew no one, but that wasn't going to stop me from trying. And so the first thing I did, I had seen on TV that college students play disc golf. And so I went to Walmart and I bought a few discs and I headed to the local park. Uh, 20 minutes later, I returned to my truck uh, with all three discs in the bottom of the lake. Uh, but hey, that's okay. That's just a minor speed bump. Like things are gonna get better. I'm gonna have my college experience. So the next thing I did uh, is I grabbed my longboard out of my truck. I put on a tank top uh, and this is just free advice, uh, especially to guys, uh, don't do what I'm about to do. Um, I proceeded to, to grab my longboard and I'm riding around campus like I'm feeling cool. And then I see an entire sorority walking back to their house. Uh, and not like a few sorority girls, the entire sorority. Uh, and I just happened to notice there's a little up ramp on the sidewalk right in front of them. Uh, and I had the genius idea. My plan was to go down the ramp, cross the street, up right in front of them. I was going to do a little slide on my longboard, I was going to impress all of these girls. They were just going to throw their phone numbers at me because that's what happens. <laughs> and so I, I get some speed and I hit down and I come up the up ramp and as I'm turning, my back tire clips the curb and I go face first directly in front of all of these girls. The, but no one laughed. That was the most amazing part because uh, no one wants to laugh at a hurt person. Like, that's not cool. But in my mind, I thought, I can save this. And so I grabbed my longboard and my plan was to throw it out in front of me and I was going to run and jump on it and I was going to ride away. All the girls are going to go, whoa, he, he might have goofed, but he saved it. He's actually pretty cool. And I threw it out and I landed like just like a fraction of a hair, just a fraction of a hair behind it, and the board shot out from under me, <laughs> and I landed on my back in front of everybody. And they all laughed, including some people across the street who witnessed uh, this young college fool make a fool out of himself. 
So things weren't going exactly as planned. <laughs> um, but I kept thinking in my mind, you know, these are just these are speed bumps. Like it, it happens. Um, but the problem was it didn't get a lot better. And I was eating lunch and, and dinner alone, um, which is fine for the first few days. Like you're 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 gonna do that. You'll have to eat some meals alone as you're making friends. Uh, but as the days turned to weeks, and the weeks turned to a month, I couldn't do it anymore. And I got up in my dorm, I pulled up on my computer, transfer applications. Because I could transfer to a place where I had friends and I had a community I could just jump in and it would be easier. And as I'm sitting there, I, I, I called my friend on the phone who was going to another out-of-state school and so I was like, he's gotta be dealing with some of the things that I am. And I called him on the phone and he answered and he said, hello? And I said, I hate it here, man. And he said, okay. I was like, first of all, not good encouragement right there. But he said, what do you want me to do about that? And I said, I don't, I don't know, but I think I'm going to transfer. And he said, okay. Well, before you do that, let me ask you one thing. I said, all right. He said, are you comfortable? I said, am I Am I comfortable? Um, let me see, I'm making a fool out of myself. I don't know anybody. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. This isn't fun. Uh, no, I'm not comfortable. And he said, good. God never called you to be comfortable. And in those moments of discomfort, that's when you're gonna learn to rely and depend on him. Amen. And so I said, I gotta stay, don't I? And he said, no, I didn't say that. But don't leave just to seek comfort. But I think that's true for a lot of us. As we seek comfort, we run to what's easy. And so my challenge to us this morning is to not. And so if you're taking notes, uh, the title of my sermon this morning is The Uncomfortable Christian Life. The Uncomfortable Christian Life. Life. And I just have three points for us. The first one is the uncomfortable Christian life will be hard. It will be hard, but it will be worth it. And so I stayed in Stillwater, but I expected what to happen was okay, this was like my God moment, right? Like, this is the conversation, it's gonna change everything. Oh, things are about to get a ton better. The problem was, is, is they didn't. And for the better part of that semester, I stayed alone and I didn't make a ton of friends. Uh, but in those times of isolation, I learned to memorize 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine, which says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Which up until that moment, I never understood what that meant. It just, it made no sense. I was like, there's the Bible being weird again. Like that's an oxymoron. No, when I'm weak, then I'm weak. But it took me to a place where I was actually weak to understand that when I am weak, it's not that I'm strong, it's he's strong. When I am weak, he's, his strength can give us strength. And so God will take us to places where we're weak so that we can know him more. He'll take us to places where we're weak, where we're isolated, where we're afraid, and where we're alone so that we can learn to rely and depend on him. The truth is, is you're, you're at your best when your natural ability is completely exhausted. It may not be when you feel your best, 
but that's actually when you're at your best because it's in those moments where you have to lean into the one who is the sustainer and provider for us. It's in those moments where we find out that he is strong and it's his strength that can take us there. And here's the deal. I don't care how smart you are, how charismatic you are, how talented you are, how powerful, how rich, how just brilliant of a person you are, you are nothing compared to when you have to rely and depend on God. You are nothing to the surpassing worth of Christ Jesus. And so he'll take us to places where we're in Oklahoma, where I don't have a lot of friends, and we're weak and isolated and afraid and alone. But this isn't just for the seniors. Like, he'll do this in our life. You'll get to 25, and you'll get married, and you'll just think it's going to be blissful butterflies, and you'll find out it's not. And you'll realize that marriage is hard, and it takes work. Or at 30, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll be sending your kid off, not to college, but off to kindergarten. And as you see that yellow bus disappear down the road, you'll realize this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, and I'm weak. Or at 40, you'll, get the, you'll land the dream job that you've been working for, that you have been slaving for. You'll get the corner office. It's everything that you've wanted. And then the first day, you'll realize this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And this is hard. Or years later, you'll be on the flip side of this service, and you'll be sending your kid off to school. And, and you'll, you can be as strong as can be, and you can drop them off at the dorm, but I promise you at that first dinner around the table, as you look over and see an empty chair, you'll realize I'm weak, and this is hard. Or at 50 or 60, you'll uh, go to the doctor, and, and doctor's visits aren't fun at 50 and 60, and so you'll get there and... and <laughs> And it won't be good. <laughs> and you'll realize it's hard. Or at 70 or 80, you'll roll over on the side of your bed and, and the other side's empty. And you're alone again. And it's hard. And you're weak. And God will take us to these places in every season of our life where we are weak, where we are isolated, where we are alone. But our promise in Jesus is that he won't leave us there alone. That he may take us into those moments, but he won't leave us there alone. And so Psalm 23 one of the most famous passages of scripture, most of y'all know it. If I said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. But why can I fear no evil? Is it I will fear no evil because I am strong. I will fear no evil because I am brilliant. I'm smart. I can do it. I can pull myself up with my bootstraps. Is that why? No, I will fear no evil because he is with me. It is the fact that God is with us that will sustain us in the midst of the valleys, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the times that we're weak. It's when we lean in and rely on him. And so he'll do it to us. He'll take us to those moments so that we can learn to rely and depend on him. And so for me, um, months after that initial conversation, um, I'm sitting on my bed on a Friday night, 
And I, I just had this feeling. I was like, okay, this is the night. This is the night that, that things are going to get better. These, this is the night that somebody's going to call and, and ask me if I want to split Chili's two for 20. And I'll be like, yes, I do. I'll take the, I'll take the quesadillas. And it was going to be great. And I grabbed my phone off the nightstand and I checked it and nothing. And I broke. And I began to weep. And as I cried, I just began to pour my heart out to God. How I was frustrated. How this was hard. How I was tired of being alone in Oklahoma. Which just sounds like a bad country song. (laughs) And as I sat on my bed weeping, I heard this still small voice in my head just say, I'm enough, I'm with you. And I grabbed my Bible off the shelf and I just began to read the words of God and I began to pour my heart out to God. And I'll tell you, by the end of that first semester, I loved God. But it took him taking me to a place where I didn't know anybody to get me to rely and depend on him. And I learned that as Paul says in Philippians 4, where he says that I've learned the secret in everything to be content. He says whether I'm in hungry or whether I'm fed, whether I'm in need or, or not, I've learned the secret to be content in all things. And he says the most famous one that we all know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. But that's referring to I can be content in the situations I'm at because Christ is with me. That no matter where we are, we can be sufficient. We can be okay because he's with us. But I'll tell you, as I began to fall in love with God, it changed everything. It changed every part of my life. It changed my thoughts. It changed my actions. It changed my trajectory. Because as I fell in love with him, I began to love what he loves. And what does he love? Well, Some Pharisees asked Jesus that question in Luke chapter 10. They went up to him and said, hey, we want to be good followers of you. What is the best thing that we can do? What is it that we need to do? And he said, do two things. Love the Lord your God with your whole heart, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He said two things. Love me, love God, and love people. But notice what both of those are. Both of those things are actions. When asked, what do we do to be great followers of you? He doesn't say, hey, what you do is you just don't curse. Hey, just don't, don't drink. That's what you don't, you just don't do that and you'll be good. No, he says, I want your life to be marked by what you do, not by what you don't do. And I want that for you too. And that's my second point. The uncomfortable Christian life is more concerned with what you do than what you don't do. Seniors, I don't want you to get to the end of your college career and just be someone who didn't get drunk. Just be someone who didn't sleep around and who didn't curse. I don't want that for you. And I don't want for that for us. That as we get to the end of our life, we're just somebody who didn't do a bunch of things. Because if we live that life, that's just small. And God's calling us to something more. He's calling us into action. And he says two things. You want to be a great follower of me? Do two things. And they're really pretty easy things. He said, love God. How do we do that? We spend time in his word. We read his word. We love his word. We pray to him. We spend time with him. Ben Stewart, a familiar face around here, said this, I've never met a weak Christian who reads their Bible every day, 
and I've never met a strong Christian who doesn't. That if you want to strengthen your relationship with God, do this. It's, it's really simple. Do this. Read your Bible every day. I promise you, that's, that's it. And it will transform everything inside of your life. But as you do that, as you spend time with somebody that you love, the only natural thing that will happen is you'll begin to love what they love. And what does God love? He loves everybody else. And he wants us to move in as we fall in love with our Savior. The natural response is to love other people. So William Wilberforce, he was a politician in the early 1800s. At 25, he was being born and bred to be the next prime minister of England. But then in a carriage ride through the Swiss and French Alps, he met Jesus. And as he began to read his word and fall in love with him, he looked around at the injustice that was happening through slavery. And he said, I can't sit around idly by and let this happen. And he said, I'm going to devote my life to two great things. And he said, I'm going to devote my life to the to the suppression of the slave trade and the reformation of manners. He said, if I'm going to love God, then the only way that I can show that is to love other people. And I can't sit idly by if injustice is happening. And so he moved into those places and began to change things. And the most amazing part about it is he did it. He did it. In Great Britain in the, in the 1800s, that a single shot fired. Because he said, fueled by grace and love, I'm going to love people, and I'm going to move into where people hurt. So Charles Colson, he was indicted in the Nixon-Watergate scandal in the early 70s. Uh, he went to prison, uh, and in prison he found out that the facts of Christianity were true. Got transformed by the grace and power of Jesus. And then he began to read the words of God, and as he read things that, what you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. And he began to read that if somebody's hungry, give them something to eat. If somebody's thirsty, give them something to drink. If somebody's naked, clothe them. If somebody's in prison, visit them. And he read that while in a jail cell. And he looked around and saw all of the injustice that's happening in our prison system. And he said, I can't sit idly by and let these people just rot away. I want to move in and love inmates. And he spent the entirety of his life loving inmates. And you know what he did? He changed the world because of it. And I could tell you countless number of people all through history, people like Eric Liddell, who gave up being an Olympic athlete to go take the message of Jesus to China, who hadn't been reached for the gospel. He said, I love those people, and the message of grace and love needs to go penetrate their souls, and so I'll leave everything and I'll go be part of that. Or people like Corey Ten Boom, who was in a Nazi concentration camp during World War II, was freed, came to know Jesus, and then began to preach the message of forgiveness all around Europe and looked former Nazi prison guards in the face and said, if my God can forgive me, then I can forgive you. People transformed by Jesus transform the world. And I want that for you. And I can tell you about the people in our church that are doing it, that they love God. And so the only natural response if we truly love God is to move into the hurting world that needs our help. But I'll tell you what will happen as you begin to move into a hurting, broken world. It'll be hard. It'll be hard. And so my last point is, when times get tough, don't run to comfort, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. The, the temptation will be to flee to what is comfortable. And my plea for you this morning is don't run to what is easy, don't run to what is comfortable, run to Jesus. 
And I promise you this, that if you do that, he can turn every valley that you're in to something way better. As he can reshape your life, he can transform you into something amazing as you fall in love with your Savior. And I promise you, he did it with me. That's how I can speak confidently of this, is he did it with me. See, I wouldn't be here this morning speaking to you about the truth that God has showed me if I didn't stay in Stillwater, Oklahoma. What do I mean by that? Well, if I didn't stay in Stillwater, Oklahoma, then I probably wouldn't have ever walked around uh, the student union on campus. And if I didn't walk around the student union on campus, I probably wouldn't have ever interviewed with a camp called Pine Cove. And if I didn't interview with a camp called Pine Cove, I probably wouldn't have spent a couple summers at the Pine Cove Bluffs. If I didn't spend a couple summers at the Pine Cove Bluffs, then I wouldn't have ever met a guy named Nathan. If I didn't meet a guy named Nathan, I would have never had lunch with him and his sister, Katie. And if I didn't have lunch with Nathan and Katie, then I probably would have never learned about the church that Katie was working for at the time. And if I didn't uh, learn about the church that Katie was working for at the time, I wouldn't wouldn't have ever learned about an internship that they were offering. And if I didn't learn about that internship, then I wouldn't have written down Michael Sullivan's name on the back of our receipt. And if I didn't write down Sully's name on the back of our receipt, I probably wouldn't have given him a call. If I didn't give him a call, I probably wouldn't have ended up working here at Faithbridge for a summer. And if I didn't work here at Faithbridge, then I probably wouldn't have gone to call when they had a job open up. And so I promise you, if I didn't take that job, then I wouldn't be standing here today. I can promise you that God can turn something horrible, something rough, something miserable, and make it into something miraculous because that's our God. That our God has that power. So will it be hard? Yeah. But will it be worth it? You bet. And so my plea for us this morning is as we leave, let's not just revert back to the normal, comfortable life that we live. That's concerned with what the world says to be concerned with, but rather, let's fall in love with our Savior, spend time with Him, learn about His character, be transformed by His Spirit, and then watch God do a miracle in our life and a miracle in the world around us. The world needs this. I think it's no surprise to say that the world's a little bit broken. But when we can mobilize an army of believers that say, I'm going to take the message of hope into every area of my life, worlds change, communities change, cities change when the people of God be the people of God. Let me pray for us. Well, Father, Lord, I'm grateful that you challenge us to hard things. But Lord, I'm even more grateful that in those hard things, you're with us. God, let us never forget that in every valley, in every sorrow, in every season of difficulty, our strength is not our own, but our strength comes from you. Lord, let us tap into an immeasurable power that comes from you. Lord, I pray that this morning marks that for some people, that they can say, I'm done just just messing around with this. I want to actually know you. I want to fall in love with you. I want, to, I want to be near you, God. And Lord, I pray that you show up in those people's lives. Lord, use us to be a mighty force of change in this area, in this city, and then let that spread all over the world as we take the message of hope, the message that transformed our life, and the message that saves into every aspect and every area of this world. Lord, we know we can't do it on our own, and we need you. 
Lord, thank you for this morning. Lord, use us. That's in Jesus' name. Amen.